Hey, Being at Work listeners, welcome back to another episode. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about today's conversation. It's such a good, relevant story. Today's guest was once sent to Europe to lead a team of over 300 people with no experience leading people prior to that. And through that experience and others, she says, you learn the most from the hardest situations. Vicki Creamer is the Chief People Officer at Charles River, but what you really need to know about Vicki is how this pivotal moment in her career taught her to motivate a team, navigate relationships with her peers, and convince other leaders to work with her. Listen in as we talk about make-or-break situations, leveraging the power of your network, and perhaps eating a lot of chocolate. So I started my career in HR at IBM. I was very fortunate to join such a large organization because it provides you a lot of opportunities to try new things, take on different roles, and work with just some of the best people in the world, candidly. So I started there right out of school and was there for 24 years. Had about 14 different roles while I was there, ranging from HR generalists, to compensation, to recruitment, to all types of roles, different businesses, corporate, and then the role in Europe that you mentioned as well. So got to do an international assignment, which was wonderful. And after that, I moved to a company called ITT, which is industrial manufacturing, as the head of HR and have now been with Charles River for almost four and a half years in the life sciences industry, which is very different and very rewarding as well. That's wonderful. What a journey. And no doubt this role as chief people officer, you rely on all those experiences you had along the way. Absolutely. Rely on those experiences and also on learning something new every day. That's what's been so fun about coming to a new industry and thinking differently about what you've learned, what you still don't know, and how you find solutions to go forward. Learning something new every day. I bet that's a mindset that serves you well. It's a growth mindset, isn't it? It really is. Well, and it frees you up because if you're learning all the time, then you can't really mess it up. It's like, okay, what am I learning through this? I think it's fun to learn new things. Sometimes my team probably wishes I didn't so much because I'm always peppering them with questions or have you heard about this or have you read this? Here's what this other company is doing. What can we do that might be similar or what haven't we thought of yet? So it is fun to be innovative and drive change. Well, that's why you make a good team. There's good balance there. So speaking of learning, when I asked you about a pivotal moment in your career that taught you a lot about yourself, you immediately went to this international assignment where you were asked to lead over 300 people in Europe, and you had never led people. I can't even imagine how you might have been feeling. It was incredibly overwhelming. So I was very fortunate that leading up to that, I had been with IBM probably for about nine years. And my most recent assignment was as an EA or executive assistant development assignment to our head of HR at the time. And there were actually a couple of roles open in Europe at the time. One was a generalist role as head of HR for one of the European sites in the UK. And one was this very large talent acquisition 
type of role. And he said, you need to take the talent acquisition role. And I said, I really don't want to. I'd like to take the other role. I think it's more of what I'm capable of. I would feel more comfortable. And he coached me to say, you got to try the larger role. It's going to be more complicated. It's going to be more challenging. You'll get more out of it. I had never worked in talent acquisition space before. That was the first one. I was suddenly leading 300 people. I was a third line manager, I believe. And we were a little bit ahead of our time. The individual before me had kicked off and had already started to centralize some of the back end part of the process. So pulling pieces of the talent acquisition process from 24 countries into a service center in the UK, while also still leading on-site recruiters in those countries. So there was a lot of dynamics at play that definitely made it just the toughest job I think I've ever had, honestly. And the personal change as well, because you moved. Where were you living at the time and where did you move to? So we lived in Connecticut at the time, my husband and my two small children, which we still live here today, but so we went overseas for the couple of years. Now, we were fortunate by going to the UK, at least still the same language. You know, it was some commonality. And having worked in the UK for many years, it is English, but it is very different. It is very different. We were also very fortunate that I was a second generation IBMer. And my father and mother came from the UK. So when I went back on assignment, we actually still had some relatives in the country. So it was a great opportunity for us both personally and professionally. I love the part of the story that your boss really had to talk you in to the more challenging assignment. He was a wonderful coach. He also had high expectations for all of us in the function working for him. He set the bar very high. And you wanted to deliver on that for him. And I had the opportunity as well to get to know some of the European HR leadership team in that previous role working for him. So, you know, I knew some people going over, which of course always helps, but I did not nearly anticipate the amount of change and people dynamics, candidly, and cultural differences just of how people get their work done, even though you're all part of the same large company. So how did you navigate those challenges? Well, it was quite difficult in the beginning. I have to admit, I had a calendar in my desk that I would mark off every day of the two-year assignment when I first started. Wondering when will I get to go home was definitely a part of it. For my own mental health, it was like a check mark. Well, because you knew there was an end, right? That light at the end of the tunnel. I would say how I tackled it, I was very fortunate in that Where I sat in the UK, there were two or three very seasoned, established senior HR leaders there who had also been working on centralizing some of the HR processes into this service center. They really took me under their wing. They helped me understand some of the personalities that were on the team because they knew some of the individuals that were working for me. They helped me understand the cultural dynamics with the different countries that we were working with. So if you think about the difference of what the French team might expecting from the Dutch team, from the Spanish team, the Italian team, I mean, it was all very different. And I also had a couple of American colleagues who were over there on assignment that I knew. So that helped create another 
safe zone, so to speak, where we could share stories and touch base and navigate together as we went through it. I slowly learned as I got to know my team members as well, the dynamics of the different relationships and who I could rely on for what, who I would talk to about what. And I had to make some organization changes candidly and make it my team over time. What I'm hearing through all of those support systems is the relationships really helped you to navigate it. Getting to know your team, your colleagues from the states that were there, the HR team in the UK, super supportive, helping with all those dynamics. As you look back now, how important was that network of people to your experience? It was incredibly important. I would not have been successful in that job or our team at the time would not have been as successful as it was without all of those relationships and the support and the insights that people were willing to share with me. They took time out of their day to help me answer questions, meet with me. Some folks traveled with me. It was honestly a wonderful experience from that perspective. The Work was hard. We worked incredibly hard. We were driving a lot of change, long hours, and people weren't always happy with the processes that we changed within the business perspective. So sometimes you always didn't feel the best from that perspective. But those relationships served me incredibly well when I also returned back to the U.S. A lot of people will say when they're in a global company, thinking globally is very different. And until you really understand how things take place in a different culture or have been there. Yeah, until you experience it. You highlighted some big challenges, and then I said, how'd you navigate that? And your next several points were all about the relationship. And what's coming up for me, Vicki, is just the reminder that regardless of the challenge is to lean into the people around me. It's only when we isolate ourselves that we really get ourselves into trouble. People want to help you, so reach out for help press in to the people that can lift up and support. Like that's what got you through. Absolutely. People provide different points of view, different insights. They question and challenge you, rightfully so. It makes you think differently. Back then, I probably didn't appreciate that discomfort as much as you do now when you look back and that it's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay for people to question how you came to a decision or to provide a different point of view. So you figure that was 10 years into my career and I've been in HR now a very long time. I'll just say 30 plus years. Back then it got you a little bit defensive sometimes or you felt insecure because you were being questioned. And really that wasn't why, right? People were helping you think about things differently. That's so good. I heard a speaker yesterday say, stop waiting for life to be easy. It's never going to be. It's not designed to be. Like we are up for the challenge. That's how growth happens. And so pressing into those moments, recognizing I'm growing here. I'm getting better here. I know that another strategy for you outside of all of the relationships was eating a lot of chocolate. So I would be remiss if I didn't mention the chocolate. I definitely had many comfort food lunches. The chocolate's a little different in the UK, but I did become a big fan of it quickly. Did you have your afternoon tea breaks? We would have our afternoon tea breaks, yes. And unfortunately for me, it was a Diet Coke and a 
chocolate bar, so not the healthiest while I was over there. And sometimes you just needed that just for your own personal support because you also have to have some compassion for yourself as you go through it. You've called this your make or break it situation in your tenure at IBM, and you clearly made it because you said this was nine years in and you were there for 24 years. So what impact then did this experience have on the rest of your time at IBM? Definitely in terms of, okay, then what do you do next? So I was very fortunate in my return from Europe. I was appointed to my first executive role at IBM, which was a big deal for me in my career. That was my aspiration. I didn't have yet the aspiration to be the chief people officer, but I definitely had wanted to be an executive in the organization. I had a lot of pride working at IBM. And I went into a role as the head of HR for one of our software businesses at the time that was global. And that experience in Europe, that network was just invaluable because while that business was based out of Austin, Texas at the time, we had facilities all over the world and it had been a newly acquired business and being able to understand how things take place in Europe from that firsthand perspective was invaluable. And even after all the roles I kept taking after that and moving through the HR organization, again, it was those relationships that I could go back and tap on. People I'd worked with before, they also moved up into different roles. So you always keep that connection. You always keep that network. And it always helped me realize that there are cultural differences. So sometimes it was easy after time to forget. But what I try to look back on from that experience was how to pause from time to time when working on things and say, okay, let me think about this from somebody else's perspective, like my colleagues who are sitting in Germany or France or Italy who might have this different type of experience or perspective. Yeah. And I imagine the efficiency with which you were able to move through some situations because of those relationships. You knew these people. You had spent time with them. You led with them. So... What a great reminder to never underestimate the power of the relationships you're building and the impact that those could have in the future. And I was very fortunate, as I said, the head of HR who was with us for 13 years at IBM, and he actually had a union negotiator background. And so he was a very interesting role model from the perspective of relationship building, how you communicate in particular how you need to stay connected to people, give context when you chat with people, and how to think more broadly than just the HR perspective, but how you connect into the business from a relationship perspective. So it's how do you create those business relationships as well throughout. And he really modeled that. He really did. We were very fortunate. His name was Randy McDonald, and he was an HR icon for a number of years in the U.S. in particular, and we were just very fortunate to learn from him as we grew. Another thing that strikes me about his leadership is you had told me that there are at least 15 heads of HR, CHROs, chief people officers that grew up under his leadership. So what a legacy. I mean, clearly he was enabling and he's the one that challenged you to take this harder talent acquisition assignment, right? So clearly he sees potential in people and encouraging them to step up and press into the challenge because you're up for it. 
Absolutely. He was a big supporter of talent. I was trying to think before we got on today to chat all of the heads of HR out there that I do know from my IBM days. And I was trying to count them on my fingers and started to run out there. So there's a lot of us out there. And again, it's another great network. In fact, that's how you and I actually connected was from one of those fellow alums. And again, even that external network, right, is as important as your internal one. Yeah, you got it. Because you just never know who your network is going to connect with that you will then become connected with. I mean, it is taking the time to focus on the person, the relationship. It will serve you well, as your story highlights. So you've been really fortunate to work with some great leaders. When we were talking about Randy, you were telling me about how authentic he was. And you also mentioned that you're so fortunate that your current CEO at Charles River is so caring and authentic and genuine. And so talk a little bit about the impact of working in that kind of an environment with that type of leader. I've just been very fortunate to experience both of those leaders and others throughout my career. And both, by the way, I should add, very high performers, very high expectations. So when we say care, it doesn't mean necessarily that people are not still holding you accountable or have high expectation for what you're going to deliver. It's the way in which they support you and coach you and authentically care, right? And have integrity as well. I think those are really important qualities. So if I think to Randy, one thing I will never forget was when I was his EA, as I said, my children were quite young and I really wanted to make the first soccer game for my son. He was four and I'm sitting in IBM headquarters in my suit thinking, I can't leave. There's no way I could leave for this. And I remember he said to me, I don't stay in the building just because Vicki Creamer's in the building. Why do you stay in the building just because I'm in the building? I trust you to get your work done. And I also will tell you this, throughout your career, you must always put health and family first, and your work will then come as a part of that, and you'll be very proud of it, but never sacrifice your health and your family. And it was just really inspiring at the time. And a lot of people will talk about work-life balance and how hard it is, and I actually agree. I'm not sure balance is the right word anymore. There's a lot around integration and harmony and things like that. But it was that caring notion of he wanted to know about what my children were up to and what was important to me and for me to figure out a way to make the time for it. Now, fast forward 20 years and the CEO that I work with day in and day out, his name is Jim Foster. He has a lot of those same leadership qualities. He cares incredibly about the people of the organization and very much so around what's going on in somebody's life and if they are able to show up as their authentic self and do their best and how do we help enable that. So I've been very blessed that now I have a CEO who as I think about where I want to prioritize for an organization and really focus on relationships and well-being and belonging and all of those things, which I know are buzzwords, but I think they've been so important to our culture for years. I'm able to have the ability to do that because of having such a caring CEO. So good. My favorite definition of culture is the shadow of the leader. The shadow of the leader is the culture. And so that's what I hear you describing in Jim's leadership and Randy's leadership at IBM. They create an environment 
a caring environment. And I so appreciate your definition of care because you started out with, when I care about someone, of course I'm going to hold them accountable and I'm going to set high expectations because I see the potential within them. Right next to that is caring about family and health and all of those things are packaged up in care for the people that we serve. Well, Vicki, thank you. I feel like we bookended this so well leading up to the leadership that you're leading within today at Charles River and then going back to your time at IBM all of those years and your lessons learned. My takeaways are most definitely the power of relationships. Whenever I feel challenged, regardless of where I am or the context, is to lean into my relationships and the people around me and how can I leverage that support to keep going. I'm also reminded through these stories of just being comfortable with discomfort because there's growth in that every single time. We naturally try to get ourselves back to that comfortable state and the more we can be aware of our growth and trusting ourselves in the process, the likely we are to stay in the hard stuff because that's where growth happens. Absolutely. You know, one of the other pieces of advice I got along the way of my career was every day just to ask yourself a simple question, did I make a difference today? And what I find interesting is what I view as making a difference today is so different than what I viewed as making a difference 20 years ago. And that's, I think, a difference between managing and leading. When I was starting out and you're managing a program or a project or a piece of work, it was, did I get accomplished the things I needed to on my list or my deliverables? Now, a lot of my day is, did I make a difference that's going to help a member of my team, inspire them, create something different for the organization or the employees? It just has a different connotation when I ask that question. Yeah, a different focus for sure. A different focus. And I think I learned a lot of that probably starting at that assignment and then along the way ever since. Yeah, well, you had told me previously that we learn the most from the hardest situations. And this was a tough situation and you walked away being empowered with all kinds of lessons learned. So thank you for sharing it with us today. We are now all empowered through your story. So thank you for sharing. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you for having me. If our listeners want to connect with you, Vicki, what's the best way to do that? LinkedIn is definitely the best way. And it is my formal name. So it'll be Victoria Creamer. And if anybody wants to reach out, I'd be happy to connect. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story.